We're going to talk to Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist at Hightower Investors and Head of Investment Solutions, and Nancy Tengler, CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Laffer Tengler Investments, which is a five-star Morningstar rating. So, ladies, thank you for coming on. And I begin with you, Nancy Tengler, because I, th- I think this is sort of a disconnect. I think tight money is usually bad for the stock market. Uh, the old adage is don't fight the Fed. But you've had a terrific rally here um, since mid-June. I don't know. It's up 15, 16 percentage points, some such thing. And let's see, year-to-date the indexes are no longer in bear market territory. The S&P 500 is down 11%. The Dow's off 7%. So, Nancy, what do you think about this Fed story relative to the stock market? Well, happy birthday, my friend. Good to, <laughs> good to be with you today. Um, you're, you're 39. I'm, I'm just right behind you. <laughs> right behind <laughs> you. <laughs> um, Well, I I think a couple of things. I mean, the Fed, you know, I've been pretty critical of the Fed, who was way behind the curve. uh, And they used, however, jawboning very effectively to get uh, markets to tighten conditions long before they were tightening. And so I think that's part of where you you get this um, chatter around, does the market think the the Fed's bluffing? And I think I joined Stephanie in this um, area. We have said, listen, don't chase this rally. In June, we were we were adding risk back into our portfolios. That was a good near-term decision, but the markets don't go straight up, and there's a lot of reasons for volatility in the next weeks, if not months. Uh, and then I think we turn attention to to the um, midterm elections. But um, earnings are done, so there's there's not a lot to distract the market, and so you're going to see a lot of focus on and parsing of every word. I am with you. I think they continue to tighten, but I don't think uh, they continue to tighten super aggressively. And so, you know, we'll get 50, maybe a 50 base point hike, maybe 75. It doesn't really matter at this point uh, because we're still in negative real interest rate environment. Mm-hmm. And and the last thing I'll say about this is that, you know, the, the Fed has has a <laughs> is fighting the federal government uh, effectively. You know, this I wrote a piece called Washington Hopium, and Hopium is an addiction to false hope. This constant spending of money, uh, and then we get the CBO coming out and dutifully saying, "No, it's a deficit reduction act." Uh, and yet, for example, one of the big uh, payfors in this in the inflation quote reduction unquote act is a 288 billion prescription drug. <clears throat> Uh, price controls that doesn't even take place until 2026. Uh, so I think that is something that I'm very worried about as inflation starts to roll over. Um, the momentum is, is is in that direction, though I think we still have persistently high inflation for some time. Uh, the, the federal government, once again, is spending money, raising taxes in the face of uh, a slowing economy, uh, potential recession, which we think we'll see, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic, so I'm, I'm certainly not chasing stocks here. You know, on the CBO scoring, uh, I haven't seen a final scorecard uh, for this bill, but they are <laughs> one of the deficit reduction measures is they've taken away uh, a $250 billion rebate to consumers of um, drugs, any drugs, prescription drugs, Mm -hmm. generic drugs, that the Trump administration um, thought it was going to put into place but never put into place. 
So they're taking away a phantom $250 billion rebate that never existed in the first place. And right there, that blows up the deficit reduction. I just thought I'd put that in because I was um, involved in that discussion inside the White House when I was there. But, I mean, these numbers are as phony as a $3 bill. Now, Stephanie Link, uh, I I guess you you have to believe this sort of – it's a combination, Stephanie. You have – Number one, a lot of people saying inflation is coming down rapidly or inflation is over or inflation is peaked or inflation is something. I'm not so sure about that, but I don't see how the Fed cannot remain tight. I mean, Nancy makes the point about real interest rates still being negative. You got a long ways to go. I mean, core inflation is still running six, seven percent. The Fed funds rate is whatever it is, two and a half percent. It's got a long ways to go, and I think the stock market is being a little naive. (laughs) Yes, and I will actually also mention happy birthday to you. You look marvelous for any age. Whatever you're doing, I want your playbook, Larry. So just let me know after the show. Thank you very much. Um, Anyway, uh, look, the S&P 500 is up about 15 16% from the mid-June for a couple of reasons. One Sentiment was ridiculous. It was so negative in June. People were calling for 3,100 on the S&P, some 2,800. It was like, if we break 3,600, we're going so much further and earnings are going to collapse. That was number one. Number two, to your point, people believed that the Fed was pivoting. I didn't believe that at all. And then number three, and I don't think it gets enough credit, the economic data is not horrendous. It's not great. We are slowing, but there are pockets that are okay, like retail sales, for example, up 12.3% ex-auto. Look at jobs, even jolts. I know they're down from the all-time highs, but you're still at about 10 million. That's, by any measures, that's very, very strong. And manufacturing. I mean, I think of all the numbers that came out last week, industrial production, two times what people were expecting, suggests to me that supply chains are loosening up and we're hearing it from Cisco. We're hearing it from applied materials. So so the supply chain situation is starting to help. So all of those reasons, I think, are the reasons we rally. Now, we go back to inflation. Yeah, we can talk about, okay, we're not maybe in a recession. We're just slower growth and earnings are hanging in. Um, And I'd argue earnings are doing more than hanging in. They're up 10.3% this quarter alone. But inflation is too high. And that is why the Fed has to continue to be aggressive. Rent, wages. By the way, natural gas. Everyone's talking about commodity prices coming down. Not natural gas. It's at 14-year highs. Food. Look at the CPI and the PPI. Up 10% and 15% in food year over year in both uh, series. And then, of course, we, we all pay attention to core PCE, and that's coming out this Friday. But the last number we had was 4.8% year over year. The Fed wants it to be 2. So there is no way that they're going to stop. And I think next week at Jackson Hall, you're going to have a plethora of Fed officials talking more hawkishly. And look what we got from Bullard this week, this past week. He's talking about now 75 in, in September. And to Nancy's point, I don't really care if it's 50 or 75. It's higher. That's the point. Right. And so you want to be very careful that things that have rallied in this market since the June lows has been growth, has been technology and non-earners. And if the Fed is going to continue to raise rates, you do not want to own any of those. You don't want to have long duration assets in the short run. Look at opportunities to buy. But in the short run, you do not want to chase. Bullard's the smartest guy in the Fed. Yeah, I know Bullard. 
Bullard is the smartest guy in the Fed. Listen to Bullard. That's what I think. Listen to yeah. Bullard. By the way, July, you know, Nancy, July was a better month than June and May in the economy. There's no question about that. It's a mixed bag, but the numbers came out pretty good. I wonder whether August will continue that trend or not. I'd be very careful. There's something phony about those jobs numbers that came out um, with respect to seasonal adjustments and households not doing the same thing that payrolls are doing. But So the Atlanta GDP tracker is, what, 1.6% uh, for yeah. Q3 after two negatives in Qs 1 and 2. Um, and that's about July, right? I mean, July was a better month. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, what that I, means. I, Does it mean anything? I, Probably it, doesn't mean anything. This is the hard part. <laughs> this is what Stephanie and I, I wrestle with every single day is the cross-current of numbers that that just as you think you're moving in one direction, you get a pivot back. But but I'll, I'll add to what Steph said on inflation. It's not just um, core PCE, but if you look at the Fed, uh, Atlanta Fed sticky CPI, mm-hmm. it's still at elevated levels. And flexible came down 11.3 percent, hip hip hooray, down to, to 13 or 14 percent year over year growth. So inflation is still here. We have seen some rollover in the in commodities, but I don't think the oil story is done. I don't think oil goes straight down from here. And in addition to natural gas. Uh, coal features have risen just dramatically mm-hmm. uh, in over 300 percent in the last year. So I, I think there's still a lot of work to do on inflation. And yes, housing is rolling over, um, but that's a lagging indicator in terms of rents. And so I, I do think that and, and the productivity numbers have just been horrific. So I, I do think that one of the areas that you want to be looking at long term is is the, the companies that enhance productivity. And we just got a, a recent CIO survey that showed that uh, 78% of, of CIOs in the enterprise space have actually raised their, their budgets and, and are spending on software and cybersecurity. So when you get that pullback, those are the kind of names I think investors should be focused on because that is going to be the solution to higher wages and unit labor costs as we move we move through this uh, slowdown potential recession. Food, food prices are up 13.9% at an annual rate over the past three months. Food prices. That's a big mm-hmm. number. And mm-hmm. Stephanie's right about that gas. That's also a big number. Coal's a big number. I mean, my point is um, I, I don't think the Fed has any way of uh, maintaining any credibility uh, if they ease up on their tightening. I mean, the balance sheet has slowed in a rate of growth increase, but the level is still very expansive. M2 has slowed quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see if it stays down. Uh, I don't know that. Commodities, the commodity indexes has actually stopped falling. You guys looked at that? Mm-hmm. Looking at CRB, mm-hmm. CRB futures stopped falling in early July. They're up about 9 or 10%. The Goldman Sachs commodity index... Same story. Let me see. I'm going to pull this up on my screen. That thing, same story, stopped falling in uh, early July. I mean, I think that um, the inflation is dead argument is not a good argument, Stephanie. That's what I'm suggesting. I would agree with you. And I, I think that people that are saying peak are excited to say it's peak. And it's the, you know, the market looks at the relative change, right? We all know this. 
And, uh, but the point of it is, is actually, this is like one of the times where you kind of, you want to appreciate the month over month numbers, but you also have to factor in the year over year numbers. And I don't care what anybody says about, let's just look at core of anything, of CPI, PPI, PPE. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, because I eat every day. So do you too, right? We go and we fill up our tanks and still darn expensive every single day and inflation is high and it's everywhere and i will tell you one of the things that we learned this past week from the retailers is they are jacking up prices like there's no tomorrow mm-hmm. and the reason yeah. and and even in spite of all this inventory overhang they're still raising prices on the things that they can raise prices on and that is food and that is consumable so maybe apparel get the break great we can get an extra pair of jeans Nancy and I could look really cute and with a couple of new outfits and you can get another tie for a lot less. But the bottom line is the, the every day to day living items are going higher. And even if they are peakish, they're still high. And that has got to come right. down. And I just don't think the Fed is going to be able to to, quote unquote, pivot. And that's why I thought it was so strange that that's what the market, one of the reasons why the market rallied off the June lows, because they thought that they did. I I think this week we're going to hear a lot of more conservative commentary from uh, Jackson Hole. So, uh, you know, like Nancy, we're we're not chasing. We're looking for opportunities always. Um, I would say this. I am looking at opportunities in energy. One of the things that was interesting also this past week is oil prices are, you know, kind of falling, maybe stabilizing, but they're down from their highs. But the energy stocks themselves are actually hanging in quite, quite well. And mm. Warren Buffett just got approval to buy up to 50% of Occidental, and he's bought, he already owns 20%. Well, what does that tell you? The smartest investor in the planet is buying as much Occidental as you can. I'm not recommending it on your show. I'm not trying to do that. But just a point of you have to watch what people are doing and very smart people. Crude and hay prices are up. <laughs> <laughs> That was Mehmet Oz said that crude and prices are up in his Pennsylvania Senate race. He's, r- he's right, by the way, but uh, you know, so, some people would call it fruit plates. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a quick – I couldn't resist. Nancy, what are you playing here? I mean, how do you do this while we wait for the Fed to do whatever it's going to do and we wait for the economy to do whatever it's going to do? Well, we've we sat back. And, um, you know, we made a bunch of moves in June, and now we're um, waiting for opportunities. This is an environment, however, where you want to own companies that are reliable growers uh, that can can generate, you know, earnings growth in almost any environment, pricing, power, efficiencies, et cetera. And then you want dividend growers. And, you know, I think, interestingly, this 1% uh, tax on share buybacks may actually benefit dividend buyers in the future. I think companies are going to maybe reallocate some capital at the margin. Uh, so, so we're we're really focused on dividend growth, and um, and that's always been something we've done since the mid 1980s. So this isn't new for us, but it I think is a good time to be focused on those kinds of companies, and that's that's what we've been doing across it's sectors. A, it's a great point, by the way, about the buyback tax. That's a great point, um, and probably it's a more efficient use of capital anyway to go to dividends. Anyway, agreed. Yeah, yep. I know. I, I like that, Stephanie. How are you playing it? Yeah, so pricing power stories. I mentioned energy. I am double my benchmark, so I'm 10% weighted uh, in, in my portfolio. Materials, same same drill. I think both have pricing power, and I think free cash flow is completely underestimated. And then a contrarian thought is consumer discretionary. Everyone's nervous about the consumer. Some of these stocks, and these are high-quality 
stocks, and I'll name a few, not that I own them, but something like a Starbucks or a Nike or an Estee Lauder or even a Target that are down 25 30% generating enormous amounts of free cash flow. And the valuations are now at a level where you can get these things. If you have a five-year time horizon, you're going to make money over the long run. Mm-hmm. Will Starbucks keep doing well because you can't use their bathrooms? They're closing their bathrooms? Probably better. <laughs> Probably better. I mean, I don't think people want. I don't think people that are having a cup of coffee want to have people tracing in and going to the bathroom, right? I mean, yeah. no. I think Howard. I think Howard Schultz is doing a, an amazing job at figuring out where they want to go on their next journey. Starbucks 3.0. You have a new CEO that's coming in, yet to be announced. I think that's going to be a catalyst. And September, they have an analyst day, and we're going to hear all sorts of things about the new, as I said, reinvention of the company. Nancy, do you think um, energy prices could go back up, in particular oil prices, in particular gasoline prices? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I don't think this is over. Um, and I, I, we, we are also double the bench. Not quite. We're one and a half to almost two times the bench um, in, in energy. And we, we, we have not pulled back away from that. Um, we've also been adding to, to technology uh, just to add in some specificity because we do think three to five years from now you're going to be happy you own those names. Um, but, we, but we did that in June, and we're waiting to add more. Uh, as it, on a pullback. But yes, indeed, I, I think you want to stay long energy here, natural mm. gas, and we own EOG Resources, uh, Fang, and mm. Devon Energy, as well as Chevron. So and, we, we and like Ste- the, the space. And Steph, just to close out, 30 seconds, um, China recession, what does that mean? Uh, well, that's why they're, that's why they cut the bench, right? They cut one year and seven day lending last week. They have to. They have no choice. I think they're going to reopen, and I think that's going to be an area where you have to find opportunities, which is all the names I just mentioned and not discretion side. They have trying to reopen themes to them mm. as well. Mm. Could be a problem, though, globally. China, I don't know. Most of the stuff coming out of China looks pretty pessimistic, um, even if they are yeah. opening. I don't, I mean, they're going to have to. They'll cut. They'll, they'll, they're going to have to cut more. They will. They, they have no choice, right? Boy, we're tightening and they're cutting. That's a very strange thing <laughs> for exchange rates. Anyway, ladies, thank you very much. <laughs> Stephanie Link, I appreciate thank it. You, Nancy Tangler, I appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.